1: Our Gospel reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the 13th chapter. You've noticed the last couple of weeks we've been moving through Matthew 13, kind of jumping around. Jesus told them another parable. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all seeds, Yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When the man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold everything he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. And when it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things, Jesus asked. Yes. They replied, he said to them, therefore every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today Jesus tells us more about the kingdom of heaven. This week's gospel includes no less than five, maybe even six parables. Stories told in a sort of code, all talking about the kingdom of heaven. And as we read the gospels, we find Jesus often preaching and teaching about the kingdom of heaven. But I want you to notice, this is different from preaching and teaching about heaven. Jesus is teaching us about a new way of organizing the world around us the growing kingdom of heaven in which Jesus rules today and forever. At the time Jesus walked upon the earth, almost everyone lived in one kingdom or another. In most cases, kingdoms were geographic areas which were ruled by a kingdom, a king. A kingdom could be traveled from one end to the other by foot in a week or so. This meant that most kingdoms were the size of a typical American state. Most everyone in a kingdom spoke the same language, worshipped the same god or gods, and considered themselves to be a single people. In fact, in some places there were a couple of different kings who held the loyalties of different ethnic groups but in the same area. Even in a particular city as late as the Middle Ages, for example, the Jews would have one king, one set of laws, the Romans would have a different king and a different set of laws, and the Venetians would have a different ruler and a different set of laws, maybe even all all in the same city. In effect, your king depended upon which nationality you were, not necessarily where you lived. Today, we still have, for example, the king of the gypsies, or the Romani, as they prefer to be called, who rules over the Romani wherever they are even today in jerusalem there's a jewish section an Armenian section a palestinian muslim section a christian section and all the government of israel claims control of the entire city each small section has its own laws and its own local ruler and so it was not a stretch for jesus's listeners to imagine that they could join a new kingdom as individuals and families while still living in the geographic area of Judea or Galilee, with their neighbors ruled by King Herod in Galilee or by the Roman Roman governor in Judea, the the Roman governor of of the Roman Empire. For different groups of people could have different rulers, even when they live side by side, intermixed in a town or even a neighborhood. People could choose the kingdom of heaven and its king instead of the Roman Empire and its governor. At least that was the theory. Who is your king? Empires were different from kingdoms. They were much bigger, the size of the United States more or less, and contained many different people from different languages, worshipping different gods, recognizing themselves to be split into many different types of people. And empires often included multiple kingdoms, ruled by different kings who all accepted, most grudgingly, the emperor as their overlord. At the time of Jesus, there were three principal empires in the world. There was China, and then there was Persia, which was also known as the Parthian Empire, today we would call it Iran, and the Roman Empire. If you lived in a kingdom or an empire, the ruler had certain recognized responsibilities and the most important responsibility was the protection of the citizens of the kingdom or empire protecting them from foreign invaders and from bandits and this was generally thought to require that the king or emperor had a military force an army and diplomacy strong enough to keep bandits and other kings from attacking the people of the country looting their homes And carrying off people to be slaves but armies require money to maintain them weapons must be forged soldiers must be paid and army officers must be paid even more and so kings and emperors levy taxes on the people to support their armies and their own lifestyles justifying it by saying that kings and emperors and army officers must eat well and sleep in comfort to make the best decisions and be in excellent shape to fight any invaders. And the people who paid these taxes said, what about us? Your taxes keep us on the brink of starvation. And so the people of this time, with no voice in their king's policies, no weapons uh, around to fight back, they simply had one recourse. They could pray for a better king. Or perhaps they could have a change of identity and join a different kingdom. Could the kingdom of heaven offer a better life and a wiser and more compassionate king? Well, God sent a better king, Jesus, to one day rule the kingdom of heaven. Jesus spoke of what the kingdom of heaven was like in a series of parables, a series of coded stories. He'd already told of a time in the far future, the day of harvest when King Jesus would send the angels to rip out the evil people he compared to weeds and toss them into the fire, and when the remaining good people he had compared to wheat would shine golden like the sun. And now he taught more about the kingdom of heaven. He began with how the kingdom would grow. Unlike ordinary kingdoms that grow suddenly as a new king defeats a former king, taking over the old lands, or when someone dies, as what happened with Solomon when his father David died, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. And though it's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. The Palestinian mustard plant is what you see on the screen in front of you, that that small tree. This new kingdom of heaven would start very, very small, indeed, with just a dozen men, and then grow and grow like the garden plant. But it would eventually become the largest kingdom, like the mustard tree of Palestine grows from a tiny seed and becomes a large bush or a small tree, taking over the garden. It provides a safe place for many, like the mustard tree provides a safe place for many different types of birds to to live. And so it has been with the kingdom of heaven. From a dozen men following Jesus, the kingdom of heaven has grown to be the largest religion in the world with over two billion people of many different kinds claiming citizenship in this kingdom while living in the geographic-based kingdoms of the world, providing wisdom wisdom. And a safe place for all those people in the kingdom of heaven. All these people say Jesus is their king. Is he yours? Now, this was a radically different idea. For in the past, you know, new kings took over old kingdoms in a different way. Either the old king died and his heir took over later that day, like Solomon. Or a new king led a private army to take over the old kingdom through military victory over the old king. In either case, the new king basically took over the kingdom in a very short time. There was no growing from a small seed gradually over years. No, in the old way, kingdoms didn't slowly grow, but grew suddenly and quickly by conquest or death. This idea of slow growth like a mustard tree plant was completely new and it was subversive. Imagine someone saying today that there are plans for a new country asking for loyalty from individuals and families which will start small and gradually grow until it dominates our existing country, until it takes over the United States. This is how radical this parable was to the people of Galilee that day, and it's still radical today. Jesus... Or political leaders? Who is your king? Jesus went on. He told them that the kingdom of heaven is, is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Everyone in that day understood that the yeast was barely visible. But if you needed that dough enough, if you worked it enough, it spread throughout the dough and caused the dough to rise wherever the yeast was for the yeast was a living thing. Bread made without yeast was dead. It was flat and hard and tough. Bread made with yeast, though, thoroughly spread through the dough, was risen. It was light, it was good tasting, and it was wonderful. But the yeast was never ever a large portion of the dough. It was almost invisible. What Jesus was telling the people with this parable was that unlike old rebellions, which formed a small army in a village and then they took over the next village and then a few more villages, in this new kingdom, a couple people in this village, a family in that village, would spread. They'd be scattered throughout the kingdom, just a few here, a few there, And those scattered, almost invisible few people around would bring life into their villages. And it can still happen today. Jesus told another parable. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought the field. In this case, Jesus was speaking of the value of being a member of the kingdom. He speaks of a man who found a great treasure hidden in a field, not his field. So he hid it again and sold everything he had and then went and bought the field. In ancient Israel, this wasn't such an unusual possibility for the land had been inhabited for thousands of years and so lost treasures from previous times might be turned up by the plow almost anywhere, anytime. Can you imagine walking through a neighbor's field and stumbling across just a little bit of gold? And you dig for a couple of minutes and you realize that this bit of gold is just a tiny piece of a huge gold-bearing rock or a pile of gold coins hidden just under the surface of the field. Millions of dollars of gold. Wouldn't you try to buy the field from your neighbor, even if it cost you your own home, your own farm, and all your livestock. Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven is just this valuable to join. It's worth all of our earthly possessions. Let's notice a few things about this field and this treasure. First, Jesus is the treasure. When we study and ponder his sayings, we find tremendous wisdom and peace as well as his grace-filled promise of eternal life, all of which, even individually, are tremendously valuable. But with Jesus, we get all of this. Notice that the treasure is hidden in an open field. It's not in a cave, it's not in a fortress or a dungeon, but it's in an open field. The treasure is just waiting for someone to find it and dig just a little bit, work a little bit to have it. There are no guards to fight. There's no dragon to defeat, except the dragon that's in everyone's heart when we're born. And what is the field? That easily found set of books we call the Bible. How do we buy this field with the treasure? We simply begin to spend our most valuable possession, our time, reading Scripture, discussing Scripture, pondering Scripture, and then follow the prescriptions we find in Scripture. For it's not enough to simply know what the Bible says. We have to understand. We have to understand what the Bible says. And that means we must practice. We have to learn what is easy and what's difficult. And we have to do the good stuff again and again until we truly understand it and how it differs from the evil that the world has taught us. And then Jesus doubles down on this theme of the value of the kingdom with his next parable. He says, Akin, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. At the time, the most valuable gems were pearls. Once again, the kingdom is so valuable that a man should sell everything in his life to buy membership in the kingdom of heaven. Of course, the amazing thing is that this membership in the kingdom of heaven is a gift given by Jesus. No money is required, just a choice to do our best to follow Jesus, believing that he has the power and the love to give us eternal life. This was a parable that all the traders and merchants and shopkeepers could understand. How valuable is the kingdom to you? What would you give up for the kingdom? Jesus gives us one more parable. Once again, the kingdom is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. And when it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. And he says, this is how it will be at the end of the age The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This was a parable that the fishing disciples understood. There are fish that are good to eat and fish that aren't so good to eat. But a net can catch both at the same time and they will catch both. When you catch them, the fisherman toss the bad fish and then sell or eat the good fish. Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven Will catch both good people and bad people At the end of the time The angels will separate them Tossing the wicked into the furnace We have time So belonging to the kingdom Isn't just a matter of declaring that I believe in Jesus There's more needed Three times he says believe in me but 80 times he says follow me We have to follow Jesus as Lord and King. Those words meant something in the day. They mean something today. That means that we learn what Jesus wants us to do by reading the Gospels and then doing what Jesus says to do. To finish up, Jesus asked the disciples and us a question. Have you understood all these things? They replied, yes. He said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law, some translations, every scribe, who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven, is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. The old treasures are the commands of the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, and the other commands, the Proverbs, the other writings found in the Old Testament. They are truly treasures. For the wisdom contained in them leads us to a more pleasant life and a good reputation, usually a longer life and a more peaceful life if we will learn from that wisdom. But living in the kingdom of heaven, being a disciple in the kingdom, a follower of Jesus, one who does more than just believe but follows Jesus, gives us even more treasures of wisdom which will lead us into a better life and into eternal life For you see, there are more valuable things than the treasure we find buried in a field. There are more wonderful riches than the most valuable pearls. Wisdom and eternal life are far more valuable. For the kingdom of heaven is still growing like a fast-growing plant of the garden and like yeast moving through dough, giving it life and a safe place for all. If you've chosen to accept the gift of the kingdom of heaven, that's a wonderful thing. And if you're considering joining the kingdom of heaven, let me suggest that you consider this. What do you have that is more valuable for yourself or your children than eternal life with Jesus? Is it an extra hour or two of sleep? Is it a couple dollars of gas? Is it a bit of pride over hurt feelings from someone years ago? Is it a bit of shyness at being seen by other people, which is perhaps a leftover from bad years in junior high or high school, or perhaps from associating with a group of misguided friends? Are there things keeping you from attending church and learning more about the kingdom, from stepping forward to choose to follow Jesus? Will you let these trivial things in life Keep you from belonging to a kingdom which Jesus says is more valuable than all your other possessions. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. For at the end, Jesus says the good fish will be kept while the bad fish will be thrown away. Don't let the end of your life arrive suddenly in a car wreck or a sudden illness and you be thrown away because you have not chosen to follow Jesus. Instead, become one who has new treasures and old treasures, treasures of wisdom and eternal life. And help your children also be filled with the wisdom of Jesus. Amen.
2: Lord of all creation Of water, earth, and sky The heavens are your tabernacle Glory to the Lord on high God of wonders beyond our galaxy You are holy Holy the universe declares your majesty You are holy holy Lord of heaven
0: Or you can text the word give to 1304 244 1903 or visit our website United 911org and click on the give tab. This will bring up a form where you can determine how much you would like to give. Thank you and God bless you in your life.